fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. Now, this is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology, and we make it a reality. Who does that? We do. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, the physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Dan, great to be here today. I'm hoping to finally understand the mysterious world of Minecraft. It's one of those, you know, cultural phenomena that... I am just not never really engaged in. So we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll get to, you know, punch a tree and get some wood today. <laughs> well, I will tell you that Minecraft is a is a phenom, just like you are the physics phenom. Uh, so it's it's everywhere, it's ubiquitous. We gotta understand it, because I think it's gonna help us learn quite a few things. And someone who knows quite a few things as well is our enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser. Ben. Where? What world? What block universe are you recording from this week? Well, based on context, it seems I may be in this world of Minecraft. It's it's very strangely blocky. I don't know why it's like this, but it's kind of beautiful in a weird way. Uh, I could not agree with you more. Uh, this is going to be fun because we are going to use Minecraft and later on Gilligan's Island. You know, we did cyberpunk. We've done steampunk. I think we're going to get to Gilligan punk here or possibly, <laughs> Ben, I believe this is your term, minnow punk, which I think is really going to really really catch on. I like bamboo punk. Why didn't we go with that? <laughs> That's not or, bad or either. Or palm punk, <laughs> coconut <laughs> punk. <laughs> the, the possibilities are endless, let's just say. Uh, but it, there's a lot of cool stuff going on here. But, you know, you mentioned Minecraft. We're going to start there first because what I love about Minecraft, you know, I'm like you, Denon. Uh, I'm a latecomer to this. I'm also significantly older than most Minecraft players because I believe they are in their single digits. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what do I know? But here's what's kind of cool. You know, we solved, you know, steampunk technology uh, and Minecraft. You know, the question I want to know, the question I'm posing to you guys is, is Minecraft the ability to be land? To, is it good? training for us to actually be dropped off on a deserted island. You know, in Minecraft, you're running around, you're you're punching trees and chopping them down, getting pieces of wood, turning them into sticks, and you've got this cool little tech tree, and you're creating a lot of fun little items to stay alive. Uh, I don't know, at first glance, Denon, you know, you're a newcomer to this like I am. What do you think? Well, at first glance, what I think is I love the fact that I learned the word tech tree. I thought it was an actual tree, um, but it, you know, it's a tree <laughs> diagram. It's a branching diagram. Yeah. And you know, as a math physics geek, I should have recognized right away what you were talking about, but I got confused because we were talking about punching trees to make a tech tree. So there was yeah. too many trees going on in that sentence. Um, yeah. you know, I, I really think it, it's kind of, I come at it from both sides, right? What I like about it is it really shows, I think, the progression of technology well. So that part, I think, is helping us prepare for a deserted island. I, I do think we have to be a little careful as we're going to discuss, you know, the mm -hmm. scale of your island matters. And I do mm -hmm. think in, in Minecraft, you have way more access to resources than we're going to get in Gilligan mm -hmm. Punk. I think there's a larger scale there. So, <laughs> you know, th there, there, there's, there's a pro and a con. I, I think I just really hope our, our listeners and viewers out there do understand if you're ever trapped on a deserted island, please don't go around trying to punch the trees. You're mainly going to break your knuckles and not get wood. However, right. getting wood is the key first step. So I do, I, I, I like the general um, 
sort of message, the details um, we may have to be careful with. Yeah, and I'd love it yeah. if maybe we start using the term obtaining wood instead of getting wood, uh, especially considering the audience may be younger, and I don't <laughs> want a lot of chuckles throughout this episode. Uh, <laughs> but obtaining wood is obviously very important. And yes, a tech tree is not a plant that grows iPhones, Denon. Um, <laughs> you know, that's silly. Uh, it's, it's like a family tree, except with Is that kind of like the old phrase, money doesn't go on trees, iPhones don't grow on trees? <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, sort of, sort of. Uh, but, you know, tech tree is very different. But what about you, Ben? I feel like you're more into this this world, uh, maybe more. Yeah, you do think of you kind of like the professor on Gilligan's Island. But I think of you more like <laughs> someone who knows about Minecraft much better than I do. Uh, I think the, the gathering wood, the obtaining wood is, is the trick. And like Denon said, do not punch trees. That's not going to work. Uh, maybe shake them because what you got to do is get those branches. You know, maybe start by looking for fallen branches. <laughs> and really, the first step is the first step of civilization, which is stone tools, not necessarily handles for your your wood for wooden tools. So first, you got to find some rocks to turn into sharp things, which you can then use to cut down the trees. That's really the first step. Oh, I love that. We got to talk about steps. I think that's true. You know, and the other thing, Minecraft, you know, if you're if it's nighttime, you know, you got zombies, spiders and these things, that creepers, things that blow up. You got bees that'll come after you. We don't have those problems on a deserted island. I hope. <laughs> so. I, I, you know, I, I really think it's interesting. You know, you talk about that, Dan. And if you were to land on a deserted island, I think a good advantage you have early on is you don't mm -hmm. meet the criteria of prey for any of the real predators there necessarily. You're probably the wrong smell um, and you're probably the wrong shape. Um, and that is an advantage, um, you know, as prey goes. I'm, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> well, importantly, Dan, you're also probably the wrong size. Most <laughs> islands, most thing, animals that live on islands are usually smaller because with a smaller biome, you're not able to grow as big because the amount of resources there are lower. And so odds are you're going to be bigger than almost any animal that's on that island. And therefore, also, uh, you're going to scare things away rather than being scared of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I do want to point to the wolf where while I am bigger than a wolf, they do hunt in packs. So uh, we're not out of the woods yet, so to speak. No pun intended uh, when it comes to prey. But let's. So but aren't wolves just dogs, Dan? And so there you're no. OK. No, they're yeah. not. They're, oh, they're, they're also they're about 3,000 years from being a dog. Of lots of genetic engineering. <laughs> <laughs> so no, yeah. no. But you, you have to remember that if there isn't a, a big group of prey, there are if there aren't big prey, there also probably aren't going to be pack hunters on that island either. Mm. Okay. Well, you guys are making me feel great about a problem I didn't even know we were going to discuss. So at least <laughs> we won't get eaten on the island. I think that that's great. Uh, and there, no zombies, no spiders. Well, you're the one spiders. who brought up zombies, Dad. Let's just uh, let's be enough. clear. <laughs> well, we can all agree that there probably won't be probably won't be zombies and probably won't be gigantic spiders. We can we can yes, say that. With I think correct? I think yeah. we're all agreement on that. Okay. All right. Or Slenderman or <laughs> pigs that talk and trade gold. There's a lot of things that won't be on that island. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, let's not go through the whole exhaustive list right now, but let's say the lot of things that would hamper our progress will not be present. So that's good. But, you know, we, we got to talk about our goals here. What are our goals? In Minecraft, it's to collect wood, uh, to create sticks, to create those tools you're talking about. And actually getting stone is, is you're advancing to the Stone Age. Uh, but what are our first goals? I'm guessing they're going to be along the lines of tools, shelter, 
You want fire for food, for heat. Um, is this, you know, I don't want to, this isn't a survivalist episode. We're obviously talking about Minecraft, but those are the things we're going to need and the resources we're going to have to find on the island to create those items, right? I think that you're exactly right, Dan. And I think one of the fascinating things is we know so much now, right, about metallurgy and making mm -hmm. things and, and manufacturing. We even make plastic, which is very advanced, right? Um, and so if you were to, be in that situation where you're like, with our knowledge, um, on an island that you're going to start with dirt, trees, and rocks. Um, it's fascinating to me that there's not many steps you can skip. And that's what I love about Minecraft, right? Mm -hmm. Is it creates this order of operations, which I've now learned is a tech tree. Um, <laughs> you, you take this and you actually have to work your way through them. I mean, Ben said it very well. You're really going to probably just start with some sharp rocks because that is the mm -hmm. best way to get wood out of your tree and to move forward. And you mentioned it, Dan. Fire is key because almost all interesting stuff comes from when you can finally melt things, right? And making things hot enough um, and designing that is really important. What is kind of cool about if you bring enough modern knowledge is you can leap through some of these things very fast, right? Because you're not going through that um, trial and error discovery phase. Um, you're really doing it with core, cool, fundamental, basic physics knowledge and some engineering training, because of course, anyone landing on a desert island has a strong physics background and engineering training. I mean, that's just <laughs> obvious. Well, they will after this episode. Well, I mean, and I think, you know, <laughs> what you're saying is you don't have to reinvent the wheel, literally. We've already invented the wheel, right? Yeah. We've already just, invented just simple tools. <laughs> yeah, just make a wheel. You've got wedges, you know, you've got the, you know, uh, levers. We know about how levers, fulcrums, I'm sure most people are familiar with the fulcrum. Uh, it's going to come in very handy on an island. Uh, so I imagine, Ben, simple tools, making them, creating them, that's going to be the key to really making your, your life easier. Yeah, there's there's the simple machines. You, you, you mentioned them. There's the, the fulcrum, the lever, the ramp, the wheel, the pulley. And, of course, you know, the internal combustion engine later on. <laughs> we'll get uh, to that. We'll get to that. That's further down the tree. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's further down. That, that's Starting the at the sixth, top. Uh, simple engine. So, or simple machine. But it, it's, it's really important that just knowing how all those work inherently and not having to invent it is critical knowing how to uh, sharpen sticks without having to invent sharpening sticks is really valuable. <laughs> knowing how to... Was that an invention, sharpening a stick? Was someone like, I did it! So, is a so, general someone, gog? Someone is he had the first, to sharpen uh, the first stick. Right. Someone had to think about that. And if sure. you know to just do it, it's mm -hmm. you're, you're better off. So there's it's really interesting that you know, all of these really th these things that seem obvious to us because we've been taught them or we've seen them on, you know, weird YouTube channels about, you know, primitive survival. Uh, that was something someone thousands of years ago had to come up with that no one had done before. And yeah, that's that's the power of knowledge and passing knowledge on generation to generation that we don't really think about as humans. You know, it's really made me realize, Dan, that um once they finish rebuilding the blacksmith shop over here in Orange County, um, where you can take lessons, I think a, a core skill all humans should have is blacksmithing because it's that central moment, right, in human history 
Um, if, if you master blacksmithing, that's the sort of one-on individual version of almost all manufacturing that we do now, right? It's mm-hmm. the core yeah. basic transitional skill. Um, and so I, I've just, I mean, I picked up archery um, in case of the zombie apocalypse. That was my, you know, first thing in the pandemic. But blacksmith, I, I've just added that to my list and it's moved very near the top. I like that you brought that up, Dan, because iron, which is in that tech tree, is really the first really good metal. You know, we had bronze and copper before we got to iron, but they really kind of suck <laughs> compared to iron. And so knowing how to make iron really gets you way above uh, anything uh, compared than what had come before. I think we can all agree, though, we're not going to be building a blacksmithing forge or creating iron on the island in this part, right? So uh, those are all great advancements, but we're here now. We're on this island. We're, we can't be thinking about the future and making making tools and metal tools. But here's something that's really interesting about human beings. And, and Ben, you talked about the first guy who pointed, you know, who created a pointy stick. I'm not a biologist, but I'm going to pretend that I am one. I think that those <laughs> types of knowledge almost come... It strikes of several people at the same time, right? I don't think there was like one guy credited with the wheel. You know, I think some people are like, oh, look at this big round rock. It rolls down the hill. Let's attach a stick to it and let's roll stuff on it. I think this is true with tools. And for example, some of our earliest ancestors, like the Homo erectus, they almost, they created axes almost compulsively. Uh, I mean, and they had, you know, they, they tamed fire as well. And so I, I think this is hardwired into our DNA. I think we might have an easier time doing this than we think. And I'm going to tell a personal story here. I went to day camp uh, when I was a kid, and I remember learning how to create a fire. You know, this wasn't in the Boy Scouts. This was, it was a day camp. But it was basically you have like a piece of wood and a stick, a rounded stick, and almost like a mini bow and arrow. Yep. And so you would take the the um, the rope, wrap it around the stick, and you just do like this, kind of like a saw motion. And if you did it fast enough, you would create embers at the bottom and start a fire. I'll never forget that. I don't know if I was ever able to make it work. That's definitely one step up going like this with a stick, you know, <laughs> with putting it in between your two hands and going back and forth with it, uh, like you're warming your hands. But I think we could get to that stage. The average, my point is the average person could do that without much knowledge, without having to watch all of those obscure, weird videos on YouTube. What do you guys think? Well, you know, I think you're pretty much right, Dan, and that's where the Minecraft thing is so nice about taking us through these stages. You know, mm-hmm. I think the reason I brought up blacksmithing is you said, well, what's our end game? And you mentioned the wheel and the <laughs> axle, right? <laughs> right and, yeah. and well, no, this is the interesting thing. We did the whole Flintstones episode, and one thing right, that we never yeah. really talked about is one of the problems with stone wheels and wooden axles is it's hard to get the precision right that you can actually make a wheel that'll work. Right. And and if you Mm -hmm. look at this is where going through that tech tree, you know, your stone and your wood, the whole goal in Minecraft is to get to metal. Right. If you don't get Mm -hmm. to metal, you're not really going to make it very far in the game. And and that is, I think, just this core fundamental thing. We forget the subtleties that metal did. And metal gives you really that precision to make um, axles and, and wheels way better, I think. I mean, I know they're fundamentally made of wood in many cases, but it's a lot of the metalwork skills you've learned around it that allows you to work wood better, that allows you to do all of this thing with more precision. Um, it is really our, our metal tools. And that human breakthrough, I think, is harder. So I think you're right, Dan. The early stages of Minecraft, that's why it's easy at the beginning of the game. 
I haven't played it, but I suspect it gets harder. And one of the reasons it gets harder is we know, no pun intended, metal is harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 easy to survive with just what. It, well, it's not easy to survive. It's easy to get to a place where you could survive with just the one tools. Like it's easy to create a spear for fishing or doing uh, making you know wooden hooks for catching fish. You know that that kind of stuff is all easy when you're on this island, um, but. Yeah, like Denon said, getting to that metal, getting to places where you can use rocks and then metal, that really makes machinery a lot easier than just having wood available to you and sharpen <laughs> sticks. I, I, I like that dramatic ending there. And, and, and to your point, Dan, you know, we want to go beyond just survival, you said, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, right. Yeah, and the survivalist mode is the beginning of Minecraft. Um, yeah. and, and, and the goal to not, cause look, you know, in those survivalist TV shows and stuff, great advice, great things, but they don't really tell you how to get to that metal stage of civilization. And, and that's my right. goal. I'm, I want to be a metalhead. <laughs> well, I, think, I think you're, I think you're very close, Dennis. Uh, and I, and I like the blacksmithing thing, but you know, it's interesting cause you start out on this Island, just like we would, and you have to make these wooden tools. And the thing I have to ask, you know, you make in Minecraft, you make a wooden, you can make a wooden sword, a wooden pickaxe, a wooden ax. Uh, this probably goes without saying, but I have to ask the question. Th- there's no way that that actually works, right? You can't, you are, are wooden tools even useful except for starting a fire maybe? Well, the spear, the wooden spear, Dan. Uh, okay. You know, All right. All right. Than, and maybe the wooden Which fish. Which I didn't mention, by the way, so that stinks. Right, yeah. Well, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I saw, I, you know, talk about learning things going. in YouTube videos. I saw a great YouTube video uh, evaluating medieval and middle-age-based movies. And one of the things the person really liked was a scene with a lot of pikemen with wooden pointy things. And and the quote, I believe, was something like, most deaths in the Middle Ages were at the end of pointy sticks. So, you know, you're, 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 your basic pointy stick, yes. But I think you're right. I, I've never heard of a wooden axe working. I don't know that a wooden axe could actually cut down a wooden tree. I could be wrong there. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. I, I mean, th- there are I things know. you can do with, like, fire-hardening wood and other things. But, yeah, cutting a tree would be tough. But you could, you know, for for being on a beach with sand, you could certainly make shovels and other things out of wood that would work. So it's not it's not totally useless, but certainly wood and stone would be or uh, stone and metal would be a lot better. So wood would work is what you're saying. For, for some things. For certain things. Yes. I, just like I do like that sentence, work. Dan. Yeah, I like that. I just wanted to say that sentence. Uh, so, <laughs> but stone is what you want to do. Um, but now, now, one of the things before we move on here, yeah, but real we, quickly, Dan, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I would like to point out this is why we never talk about the Wood Age. Right. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, I guess the Stone Age was, we moved to stone pretty quickly. Um, and that's my next question. Before we move on to really kind of pimping out this island, which is what we're going to get to next, get to our Gilligan punk. Uh, Gilligan pimp, I guess would be a better word. Get, get into that Gilligan punk. But you have stones, and, you know, I know that we take, you know, one stone and you smash another stone. But, you know, sharpening stone is, I imagine, pretty difficult, getting the right size. If we're on this island and we just have the rocks around us, is it easy to create hand axes or is that a little more difficult? Do you have to bring in something else from the island or can you do it? You know, is, can we go into that, you know, that Neanderthal part of our brain, that Homo erectus, where we came from the early, early stages of, of hominids. Can we go to that in our DNA uh, and just pull it out while we're on this island? 
Well, I think part of it, at least my understanding, and then I'll let the engineer correct me and make it correct. You know, you just need the right stone because, yes, the internal part of our brain is going to smash rocks together. I mean, I did this as a kid all the time. I kept trying to make my arrowheads, right? But if you don't have, (laughs) you know, flint or uh, another appropriate stone that when you smash it, it flakes in the right way, that it's hard enough to be useful after you make it sharp. But the right level of brittleness and softness, I forget which is the correct term here, that it will split with an edge. I I think if you're on a deserted island with the volcano, which is the only type of island I want to actually um, ever be trapped on, I think the volcanic rock is actually a good level for making sharp stuff out of. Um, But I will let Ben tell us exactly which rock we need for sharp stuff. No. Then that's exactly right. It, this is where the luck starts coming into it. What island did you get marooned on? And having a vol- an island that is or was volcanic, probably was volcanic is better. You don't necessarily want to be on an island with an active volcano. Yeah, uh, that's right. But uh, there's a, the, the best rock for this stuff is, called, is typically considered to be obsidian, which is really volcanic glass. It's, it's, it's a rock, but it's really glass. And... The way it breaks when you hit it the right way, which is also very important. You can't just smash two rocks together. You have to you have to kind of like hit it at the edge and then like it'll it'll shatter into flakes like Denon mentioned. That's how you get sharp stuff. And and so yeah, you you need to be on that island with the volcanic stuff. Otherwise, if you're on like a coral atoll, which is, you know, an island that's a built-up coral reef that eventually grew tall enough that, you know, now it's an island. No, now, you know, coral's not as good. Coral, you know, you're not going to have real rocks there. You're going to have, like, dead pieces of coral, which aren't going to be as strong, and you can't really sharpen them the same mm. way. No, definitely not. You can make sandpaper out of coral, but definitely can't make yeah. uh, can't make an axe out of it. It's going to be tough to make arrowheads and uh, spear tips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that brings me to the question then. Uh, what? So what kind of island? Let's quickly talk about what kind of island would we want to be on. Is that it? Is it a volcanic island? And, you know, I know the weather plays a part in this as well. You know, being on that small little mound in the ocean with one palm tree to sit under, I don't think that's ideal, uh, even if it is a coconut tree. And Gilligan's Island has taught us we can do a million things with coconuts. But I think you're going to want something else. Am I right? I definitely think so. I mean, Gilligan, they get stranded on something that looks fairly lush um, Mm -hmm. and has a lot of vegetation and um, probably is getting a lot of water and rain. So you want to both be in a place where rain's going to come and have enough topography um, to get rain to fall on your island. Um, you know, I visited Aruba and I don't want to bash an island. You know, we have such a large audience. I don't want to ruin their economy. Um, sure. <laughs> but but it was it was just windy all the time, dry and not very exciting. And I kind of sat there going, I come from beautiful Southern California. Why am I vacationing here? I certainly <laughs> would not have wanted to be stranded there. Um, right. Whereas I visited some other islands, say Hawaii, um, that, that have a, a much greater uh, lushness and, and robust um, ecosystem to fall in. Uh, a little bit of size is helpful. I don't think it has to be super huge. It just needs to have some verticalness to it. That's my view. That's what I'm going for. And pine- Hawaii yeah. has pineapples as well, which is a definite, oh, well, yeah, definite no, plus. That's definite plus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And coconut. And coconut. Yeah. Yeah. Denon brings up that great point. The The mountainous island is really the best thing because having geography that can uh, resist the wind, help protect you from tropical storms, 
that's really where islands start to become really inhabitable is when mm-hmm. you have those mountains that shelter, that create shelter, not just from, you know, the trees sheltering the island, but the actual land of the island creates shelter for the island itself. And those are important. So once we have all that, right, so we've got our perfect island. We, we know we got a, an idea of tech trees. So now Denon's, Denon's caught. He's up to, up to par right here. So we're, we're on the island. Now let's switch over. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Gilligan's Island, right? So let's say we are, we're on an island. All of our basic needs are pretty much taken care of, but we want to jazz it up a little bit. You know, Gilligan's Island had a professor who was making all kinds of cool stuff. We've got a, prof- we have a professor. We've got an engineer. Uh, so, you know, let's talk about what we could do. In in these scenarios, we are going to say we have a minnow, a crashed <laughs> ship that can give us some things, but no electronics. Everything's broken on it. But as far as a source for some advanced resources, we have it there. You know, what, what are we doing? You know, when we when I watched the show, one of the things that struck me is just how much you have, uh, you know, you you have handbrake. Everyone's always pedaling a bike to get their to get their stuff done. So how does that kind of play a part? They get a lot of mileage out of that. What are we doing to make this work? Then, and I'm curious, what do you want to be comfortable on this island now that we've got our basic needs met? Well, for me, Dan, besides the chocolate chip cookies, which we all know is is my favorite go-to when when I'm under stress, um, which is you said we have our basic needs. We've got fire. I've got dough. I'm eating my chocolate chip cookies. Um, I, I hopefully- you I don't know, know if crashed, I said uh, that, but that, that might yeah. be advanced, but okay, we'll say you got chocolate chip cookies. Well, no, sure. you know, I, I, you I've landed where there are cocoa beans, right? Okay. So, so we're good. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, hey, if you if you can specify pineapple and coconuts, you can fair add enough. cocoa beans. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. Some people are going to make coffee. I'm going to make chocolate. Uh, but 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 beyond that, I mean, my big thing is I hate being um, overly hot. Like I just don't like high temperatures. I've gotten really really spoiled by living in Southern California. Um, And, you know, I have to admit, I like to be environmental. I put my solar panels on so I can run my air conditioner whenever I want. That's kind of my logic. Okay. (laughs) Um, Good enough. Yeah. But that's what I'm going for. And I, you know, what fascinates me is I think there's so many different directions you can go for cooling yourself. Um, And and really, I was thinking about this more. You know, we had discussed this a little bit in in pre-planning. But one of the things I realized is it really depends whether I'm on a humid island or a dry island. Um, because the physics of cooling myself down on those two islands are going to be very different. Um, right, right, and right. so that that's part of what came into it. Because, you know, if you're in basically a desert-like environment, you can really use evaporation of water to cool. I mean, look, that's what we do naturally. We sweat and it evaporates and we cool. You can make, you know, sort of swamp coolers where you're evaporating, you know, water through all sorts of things. Maybe this is where your biking comes in. You have somebody else yep. bike, turn yep. a fit fan, cool the water, and you're in your hut getting nice and cool while they're out in the desert biking. Right. Um, <laughs> so, so a little bit depends on, on, on you know our exact circumstances, but that's my starting point. I want to get nice and comfortable and cool. That makes sense to me. I mean, one of the things that I thought was interesting, I was looking up swamp coolers. They don't actually work in a swamp. Uh, You need need the arid temperature. I thought that was really interesting. It's a weird name. It's a very strange name. I'm guessing it must get swampy in the cooler. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. I'm making it up now. It makes the room swampy. (laughs) Is that what it is? Yeah, because the creation of the humidity is what causes the cooling effect. Ah, got it. So it's it's a swamp creator cooler, cooler creator. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, I I couldn't believe how much these are actually, how often these are used, how low tech that they are. And I think you could create one of these on the island. This might be the way to go, Denon. I know if the three of us on an island, I don't know unless we're taking turns that I'm going to pedal a fan for you like they do in Gilligan's Island. I don't know if I'm going that route. So we may have to get you a swamp cooler. And we also could, uh, because we have elevation, we we wanted a mountain as island, we could make water power. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the cool right. thing about being on the island with our little coconuts and our bamboo rods. We, we could build our water wheel to get our fans going. Um, so right. that that's, you know, but my challenge, what I'd like my engineer to solve, and I'm going to put, you know, Ben on the spot here. What I realized was, okay, we're likely to be on a humid island because of the conditions we described. Right. Now cooling myself off is becoming a bit more of a challenge in my head. So right. I'm I'm looking for I'm I'm yeah. looking for some right. some engineering solutions to my temperature problem if we have unfortunately humidity. Well, so first of all, we could always, of course, be the Thurston Howell of the group and have you know Gilligan do the pedaling for us. We just need a fourth <laughs> person, right. who's the sucker who has to do all the pedaling. Right. Good call. Uh, but. So, yeah, to make I, I think the, the first step that having that water uh, water wheel to help cool is going to be valuable. Now, one possibility is if is maybe the, the water is cool. If the water if the ocean surrounding us is cool ish, we can use that as a coolant and have the water blow through over that that water or use that water as kind of a, a pseudo refrigerant and cool the air that way and then you're at least going to get cooler air blown on you rather than the swampy humid hot air that would be there naturally (laughs) i like that i like that i also i i really feel like the construction of my hut's going to be key here okay like when i think about you know images i have of tropical huts right you want to really take advantage of the motion of air because you know really i you know maybe there's a biological solution here i mean i believe dan Mm -hmm. you have pointed out often right that biology is nature's technology i have um, i can point that out to you right now if you want yes Dan, and just I, to I was thinking you could more, <laughs> i have a t-shirt Na- biology is nature's technology that i'm wearing now f backslash merch if you want to have that that log line that quote embedded into your head forever den and that might be what you're talking about <laughs> i think it is and i'm wondering you know you just have to maybe suck it up so it was and accept that sweat is your natural coolant and okay. generate the right level of breezes to keep yourself cool. So there's that element of hut design, open side, breezes, shade. I also wonder, and something I, 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 I do not really know why it's not a big deal on tropical islands, and it may be because their lava on the ground is hot. I don't know. Um, but, but getting yourself kind of a portion of your hut underground and maybe a couple of floors at the top that you don't use as the heat release Right, right. Because we know we know the attic's always hotter than the basement. Like sure. anyone who grew up in New England knows this, right? And so maybe there's some um, design of your building you can use to cool yourself. Yeah, there aren't a lot of, and I haven't seen them, but I haven't. I don't know of a lot of two-story mud huts, uh, much exactly. less with one a, a two-story mud hut with an attic and a, and a basement or even a crawl space. Uh, yes, <laughs> we have structural problems, but I I like what you do. Maybe we could build it into the side of a mountain with our wooden tools with our wooden shovels. Yeah, exactly. I mean, is that possible, Ben? What do you think? Is this pot? Would you want to live in the side of a mountain, volcanic? Otherwise, uh, yeah, you have to be. One thing though, 
talking about those breezes is you do have to be careful that you're not going to obstruct those ocean breezes by being too close to the side of the mountain. So I don't, you don't really want to be right up against the mountain. You kind of want to be down a little bit so you can take advantage of those ocean breezes to stay cool. Now, one of the things I want to talk about here is I, I want to be comfortable too, guys. And one of the things we got, so I want to talk a little bit about water production. I want to make sure I've got enough water and that we've got some cool ways to always have enough water, uh, drinkable, potable water. Um, there's going to be plenty of undrinkable water all around us, but I want, <laughs> I want potable water, guys. Uh, but, you know, mm -hmm. I want to talk about that, but also... I want to take a shower. I don't like I don't like going into the ocean that much. I don't want to take a cold bath. I definitely don't want to take a cold shower. There aren't any elephants. We can't use Flintstone technology here. So how am I <laughs> heating up water? Is there, is there a way to get a hot shower on this uh, on this island? That's my question. But let's talk about water production first. Ben, I know you have a lot of ideas on how we can maybe use evaporation like that swamp cooler to maybe get ourselves a reasonable amount of, of reliable, potable drinking water. Well, but you got to remember, of course, Dan, Dan, the first step is to bring some fresh water with you. Oh, look at that. In, in your water bottles. <laughs> uh, so you don't uh, you don't ha need to be making fresh water right away. You know, when you're going on a tiny little boat like the Minnow, yeah. make sure you have some water with you so that you don't uh, die of thirst uh, in your first steps. And you could always turn it to tea or coffee. Because then it's safer to drink <laughs> right. and put yeah. it in your coffee mug. Well, if we're going to be on the minnow, you know, you're pulling up the uh, FGGBT water bottle and your physics phenom mug. Uh, those are available on FGGBT.com backslash merch. So if you're going on a cruise, make sure you have these. You don't know when you're going to crash on an island. And as you said, Ben, we've got to have a receptacle to drink out of. And once we have this water, that's what I want it to go into my mouth with is that water bottle. Definitely, Dan. But- Back to the creation of water. So, you know, we've brought all our water bottles from the merch store, but eventually that water is going to run out. So we have to make some fresh water of our own. And that's where things start getting tricky. Uh, if, if we're on this mountainous island, ideally it rains on this island and you can collect rainwater, which will be your safest bet as long as you keep your water collection uh, container clean. Uh, but if you don't have that, let's say it doesn't rain very often and there's like some lakes and some ponds that are fresh, but they've been sitting there. That's when we start talking about needing that fire. That's when you need to boil that water to clean it and, you know, kill all the bacteria and stuff that's going to be growing in it. Um, but if you don't even have that, that's when we have to start talking about desalination, which is taking the salt out of the water. And again, it's a boiling process or it's at least an evaporative process. You either boil the water and and capture that that steam and then recondense the steam because that and then that will be drinkable clean water, or you make things like solar stills where you use the sun to evaporate the water through like a clear thing like glass or plastic and then you can collect the drips again into a vessel like the FGGBT <laughs> water bottle. Well, you know what I love about this is I am becoming much more a fan of, of sustainability measures and efficiency. Mm -hmm. um, and I love combining the evaporation for cooling mm -hmm. with the evaporation for getting clean drinking water. Um, and I think I would right away build a system that both cooled my house and created drinking water. That's where I'm going with this, Dan. So I love that idea of combining systems and using things for more than one purpose. 
Is that possible? I mean, is this theoretical or could you actually do that? I think that that's great. So you would collect water like from the ocean, use it to cool uh, your house. And then as the, then you would collect that water and, uh, and then I would have a condenser and collect it. And that would be my drinking water. And, this is and great. I mean, you wouldn't have perfect efficiency. There'd be some losses in the system, but you have a pretty big ocean out there. So, yeah, um, you you know, you've got a lot of sources. So I, 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 we do that in a lot of different places and we're getting much better for instance, at combining our hot water systems with electrical generation and vice versa mm -hmm. to, to take advantage of, you know, things like waste heat that we used to just let go away. Right. Yeah, the trick with that will be do it using probably solar power to do it. Because if, if you're lighting a fire to heat the water, well, that's not going to work. You're going to heat the waste heat of the fire is going to heat up the hut more than it cools. But if, for example, <laughs> you, you put that solar still on the roof of your hut, mm -hmm. you could certainly lose some, you could get some of that heat out uh, that way. Yeah, because you're distracting the sun by putting it into your solar cell and not your house. That's well, a technical exactly. scientific term. There, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Distracting the sun? Yeah. The, the sun with the smile, the smiley face sun uh, doesn't notice you, so it has right. to, uh, it, it boils your water instead. That's exactly right. Anyone who's played Super Mario Brothers 3 knows all about that smiley sun coming down on you. Um, yep. So when you, one of the things that I want to tackle here, and this might be, uh, this might be a pipe dream. This might be the equivalent of the blacksmithing forge in Minecraft, but... <laughs> Can we create electricity? You know, we've talked about water wheels. We've talked about creating a, a bike power in Gilligan's Island. There's tons of, of bikes or at least pedals, pedal powered, uh, more peas, pedal powered um, devices. Could we create electricity? And then, yeah, what, what do we do with it? You know, I mean, I think that's a good question because I think we can create it. I think we can use it to, to, to our advantage. But I'm curious what you guys think, Denon. Is is it possible to create it, and what would you use it for? Well, first of all, you just need some lemons, and then you build your basic lemon battery. Um, so you know that's that's a good starting point. You know, any sort of acidic fruit can get you started with batteries and chemistry. Okay. Um, but really, that's that's the key. You know, we mentioned this with Minecraft. You have to be lucky to get your sharp stones so that you're not trying to cut down a tree with a wooden axe. Right. You have to get a little lucky with, with, with electricity. Um, the, the biggest thing you could do is have a magnet. So maybe one of the magnets in the motor on your minnow survived and you can use that. Um, or maybe there actually is magnetic, you know, materials floating around on your island somewhere or underground that you discover. Because once you have a magnet, you can spin the magnet in a metal coil and and get electricity. And we've already got our water wheel, or we brought Gilligan along to pedal our bike. Um, <laughs> sure. So, one or the others of these works. Um, so that's that's your sort of regular what we think of as you know electrical generation through you know the standard you know spin a thing. Um, method. The other choice <laughs> the is... It, I love that. The spin a thing method. I mean, right. Yeah. No, it's what it is. Yeah. Your other choice really is battery technology, which is basically just electrochemistry, mm -hmm. right? And it's having the right type of metals, minerals, um, acids, bases. You just got to get electrons moving from one thing to another. And if you can get electrons to move, you can make electricity. Um, and so those tend to get used up that's the problem with that because a rechargeable battery, um, you got to go back to spinning things. So you got your spinning thing or your chemistry. That's where I think it, you're going. Um, if you got super lucky and you know about it, you stick the right metal into the solar thing that's heating your water to 
um, make your drinking water, and maybe you build a solar panel. But that, that's a little <laughs> more advanced. Yeah, that does seem very advanced. That's very advanced. I think really this is one of those times when you really hope the good stuff from the minnow survived <laughs> the, uh, the crash, the wreck. Because, you know, it, it, most boats have alternators or gener- even generators on them. And so just being able to spin that with a water wheel or a Gilligan pedaling a bike instead of the gas motor that you've now run out of gas for because you've crashed, that's really going to be how you get electricity on island. The easiest way is having an electrical motor already. <laughs> I mean, I guess that makes sense. Uh, so if we couldn't, I like the water wheel. I mean, it, so I'm guessing you can't really create a lot of power with the water wheel. But let's say we can generate a little bit of electricity. What can we use it for? I mean, what 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 are some capabilities? Because, you know, I, I was really excited about electricity. I thought, hey, we can do this. We can pedal. We can get a water wheel. I even thought about creating a water wheel where you take the water, it comes down, and you actually manually pick it up and, and fill the big basin at the top and keep this water wheel going so you don't have to rely on the sun or rain or anything like that or a waterfall or whatever. But then, you know, Den and you and I were talking and you kind of made me feel like a fool because it's like, well, what do you do with that electricity? There's not a lot to do with it. And I always think of electricity as the thing that will make you comfortable. But I think living on this island, we almost have to go extraordinarily analog, which makes our, you know, our steampunk episode so much more crucial to understanding how to be comfortable on this island. So am I wrong? Is there anything to do with this electricity? No, I think there are two things. Mostly you're right. Mostly you're right. But I do think there are two things that the electricity can help you with in my mind. One is light. Um, you know, electricity gives us some of the cleanest forms of light. Um, and in fact, it, it's low power. Um, again, you know, in our steampunk, I talked about blowing up our liquid nitrogen cannon. Um, one of the most common things we do is have the students get on a bike, a la Gilligan, and pedal and light up light bulbs and see how many they can light up. And, you know, they can usually get four or five 40 watt. 40 watt light bulbs lit unless you're the student true story who gets so excited and pedals so fast his pants got caught in the gear and they ripped um, luckily <laughs> that, that it was just happen. the pant leg that ripped um and so it was not nearly as embarrassing it um, was gilligan holy cow <laughs> so yeah so you do have to be careful um with your bike but the water wheel you know with the right height can can kind of do the same thing for you because it's just how high you make your water is okay. how much energy you get out so you're pretty good at getting light um, and we know enough about making light bulbs or even LEDs that you could you could actually have some fun with light. And it just gives you a much more pleasant nighttime experience. Um, it may attract the bugs, so you have to be careful about that. So you use electricity to make your bug zapper. Oh, and, wow. I like that. And right? That's, you know, yeah. that's, that's a good use of electricity on your island. Um, you might even to get, if you have the right materials, get a little cooling out of your electricity with a thermoelectric cooling device. Okay. So I think there's some creature comforts you could get with the level of power we're generating, but you're probably not going to build your iPhone. Because I learned earlier in the episode today they don't grow on trees, and oh. you're probably not going to build them either. <laughs> uh, that's way far down on the tech tree for sure. Part of it, of course, also is if you could have salvaged some stuff from the boat, there's all sorts of other stuff. You know, Maybe you have a radio that you can listen to, so you have some entertainment while you're stuck on this island that you can power with your electricity. Mm, or, mm-hmm. you know, building a radio isn't necessarily the most difficult thing either. There's things like foxhole radios where you can, uh, you know, use a battery plus a couple of wires and other things. You can make a receiver that you can listen to. Um, and those are relatively easy to build with very primitive uh, materials. And so 
instead of using a battery, which is probably is harder to do than if you have electricity already from your um, spinning motor that you salvage from the boat. Wow. I didn't know that. And I imagine you know, we haven't really used coconuts at all in this. And that is a fundamental, <laughs> crucial, foundational element to anything in Gilligan Punk. Uh, so I'm hoping, I imagine that receiver might be coconut based. Obviously, the battery won't be, but maybe the housing. I, I don't know. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> the key thing with the coconuts is it does get you your horses as you clomp around the island. <laughs> <laughs> Monty Python, to say. <laughs> sure. No, that is true. And that's important. I don't want to overlook that at I all. I mean, because let's face it, entertainment is low on the island, Dan, and coconuts <laughs> are central to entertainment. Well, you know, in, in closing, uh, one of the things I wanted to say is that the coconuts would be great if you could find like a piece of string or something to attach them. You could create a very primitive communication, you know, like when you'd have tin, can, tin cans on a piece <laughs> of string. I'm guessing you could do that with coconuts. I mean, is that possible? Is the physical of sound waves that work? Yeah, no, because basically the tin can was just focusing the sound to vibrate the string. So I think you're right, Dan. Your coconut phone system on the island is going to be very key. Okay, that's good. Uh, that's good. That's important. <laughs> that's important. Uh, so now let's, you know, we've talked a lot about Minecraft, Gilligan's Island, but, you know, there's probably some things that we didn't quite get to. And here's the place, our errors, additions, and omissions section, things we didn't quite get to. But we want to talk about just a little bit more. Denon, was there anything about Minecraft, Gilligan's Island, or coconuts that you wanted to talk about that we didn't quite get to? Well, you know, I really wonder, like... You said we have a crash boat. I built my light. I want something to do at night. I'm a big reader. I just wonder how many times I can read that one book that survived the crash over and over without going insane. <laughs> that, that's sort of that's a good question. That, that's sort of my my first thought on this. Like, what yeah. is my insanity threshold from the same book, or or do we just have to start writing our own novels? Like, you write your own book and then read it. Like, how does that work? So, yeah, um, you know, because I've built my reading nightlight. Mm -hmm. I, I, I need to read something with it. That, that's where I am. Well, let me ask you this before we go away. I know we, we always say this. We're not going to talk about it, but I'm going to push a little bit more. If you could take one book with you, what would it be? That's a good question. I would probably bring um, Lord of the Rings just as a go-to. I know how long it takes me to read, um, and it's just kind of fun to read over and over. Um, and it's been a while now since I've read it over and over. But I did manage to read it so many times as a kid, I could probably read it a lot without going insane. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I, I want to keep you sane. Uh, what about you, Ben? Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to get to? Well, Devin kind of stole my answer on the book there. You know, the Were you say Lord, Lord of the Rings is also good because it's so, also so long that it'll take you a while <laughs> yeah. to get through it all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I do want to correct myself. I think I did. I don't think I said the simple machines correctly. It's the lever, the wheel, and the axle, the pulley, the incline plane, the wedge, and the screw. Those are the, and the internal combustion engine. Uh, those are the six plus one uh, simple machines. Uh, make sure we get that right. You know, don't want any uh, errors coming in on that one. <laughs> you got ahead of it. You got ahead of a big fire. We put out a fire there, so to speak. Um, good job, Ben. Uh, and now, you know, I'm with you on that long book thing. I just finished The Stand, and I feel like if I wanted to keep track of how long a year was, starting The Stand, and when I finished it, would roughly be about a year, I think. So it took me quite a long time to read it. Yeah, but Dan, do you really want to read a scary book as you're sitting on a deserted island wondering if there's zombies? That's a good question, especially with Minecraft. When when it gets dark, the zombies come out. That's a good, really good question. I don't know. 
Um, I'm going to think about that. But that's my answer right now, Dennis. But I'm going to think about it okay. a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I want to talk about Minecraft in my ears editions here because in Minecraft, I, I, when I first started playing it, I'd watched some tutorials so I knew a little bit about what to do. And crafting, you know, crafting that tech tree, that's the key to the, to the, to the game. I died when night came probably about four or five times in a row. I could The creepers kept blowing me up. The, the spiders came in hot. The zombies were, were all over me. Uh, the game's really hard. I thought it was just you sitting around on an island. I didn't know how devastating it could be and just how inept I was at the game when I first started <laughs> despite preparing myself. And also in Minecraft, gravity is super weird. You know, we've talked about, you know, our cartoon physics stuff. You got, you know, quantum gravity. None of that exists. Gravity doesn't exist except when you're walking. If you cut down a tree, you can literally just keep punching sand. You can block, uh, you know, punch out a block of tree. You can stand where that block was, look up and just keep punching down the tree, none of it falls, the branches stay in place, it's super weird. Minecraft is a mind screw. <laughs> it really messes with your mind. Uh, I think that's a better name for it. But, you know, if, if there's anything that we missed, you know, we, we gotta got to give you a place to let us know about it. You can find us on social media. You know, the show's easy to get a hold of. It's on Twitter, at FGGGBTPod. We're on Facebook, at FGGGBT. But you can get in touch with us individually, Denon. Where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Just flip my name. It becomes at Den and Michael. And then on Facebook, I'm at Prof Den and Michael. I have not yet gotten on the Coconut Network, Dan, but mm -hmm. I'm working on a handle for that. <laughs> oh, well, perfect. When you do, I hope it's, I hope it's at Den and Michael. You hang on to that one for, for the Coconut yeah. Network, for our, our, our coconut, coconut Internet. Uh, what about you, Ben? Where can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at B Seepser. How do you spell that? Spell that B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And I can be found on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn, on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. And if you want to get in touch with us through any kind of electronic means, coconut or otherwise, you can find us at questions at FGGBT.com and send us any of your questions, your correspondence, you know, your, your general comments if you want. Uh, keep your criticisms at home, but anything else, let us know. Questions at FGGBT.com. And as you listen to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you rate and review and make sure you're subscribed. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe and ring that bell so you never miss an episode and you help us out with that algorithm. And of course, this episode contains powerful information that can be misused by those hell-bent on world domination. Now remember, you want to use this information for good and be a superhero. Don't use it for ill and be a supervillain. In summary... You always want to be a superhero instead of a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, fgbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there fgbt.com. And before you leave, don't forget to check out our other episodes. 
you can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got and you'll notice that we've got both a YouTube version and an audio only version depending on what you like we got it for you and if you do like those videos you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well we're on youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn and once again if you like this show you're going to like everything that I do go to DanielJGlenn.com to find out more thank you for listening